Pastor Ed is going to be preaching, so Pastor Ed can come on up. He's here somewhere. Greg, have you seen Pastor Ed? I think we, I think we have to change. Hey, I am here, Daddy-O. Whoop! Pa- what? Pastor Ed, I think. Come on, put your hands together for John Boy and the Shylets. Woo! Woo! Tell you, man, oh man, we are just, yeah, thanks, brother. I'm looking groovy. I like that. Well, listen, they gave me this thing called a tablet. Pretty cool, man. Just kind of set it up and it tells you what to say. That was back in my day. Hey, travel back in time with me. It's August the 15th, 1969. And what's going on? Woodstock. That's right. So they get together, this group of people, they form a, uh, actually a, a company, and they decide to put one of the largest concerts ever in the history of the United States of America. It's called Woodstock. It's now going to be held in Bethel, New York. And they estimate, based on ticket sales, that there will be about 100,000 people that will come. So, that was an understatement. And by the way, if you'd been there, you would have seen me dress something like this, without the gray beard, but close. All right, so here's a picture that you can see as far as you could see. It was a sea of people. Half a million people came to that event. Now, when you have porta-potties for 100,000 people, that doesn't work well. And then give us a day and a half of rain and mud. But here's maybe what you didn't know. Look at the next picture. They estimate that there was another half a million people that didn't make it to the event. And you know why? Because there was a 17-mile-long, three- or four-lane traffic jam on the New York Thruway that would last how long? Three days. Three stinking days. How upset were those people? So it was terrible. In fact, they had a problem. They couldn't get the performers in to the venue. So they had to rent helicopters, which wasn't at all in their cost budget. And the venture capitalists that funded this, thinking they were going to make millions, lost a million three, which is equivalent to nine million dollars today. The lineup of bands was literally a who's who of the time. They had Hendrix, they had, you know, uh, Mamas and the Papas, they had everybody that was famous at that time. In fact, there were bands there that no one even heard of that would go on to be super famous. Santana being one of them, there's so many. So four days of music, free love, and psychedelic drugs. I mean, this generation couldn't have asked for anything better. If you were there when that first band stepped to the stage, there was pandemonium, screaming, yelling, cheering. And that first band would have been CCR, Credence Clearwater Revival. They were very well known at that time. And if you had been there, you would have heard John Fogarty and his group sing this song.
We continue our series today, From Surviving to Thriving. And maybe that song would have given it away, but we're taking a different word every week that starts with the letter F, and that leads us to our title for today, Fortunate Sons and Daughters. I don't know if I introduced myself. I'm Pastor Ed. At least up till today, I've been a pastor here. It will remain to be seen, but hopefully I'll be back. If you didn't get those lyrics because you're older and can't hear properly, like me, uh, here's what they said. Some folks are born made to wave the flag. They're red, white, and blue. And when the band plays Hail to the Chief, they point the cannon at you, Lord. It ain't me. It ain't me. I ain't no senator's son. It ain't me. It ain't me. I am no fortunate one. Some folks are born silver spoon in hand. Lord, don't they help themselves? Yeah. But when the tax man comes to the door, the house look like a rummage sale. It ain't me. It ain't me. I ain't no millionaire's son. No. It ain't me. It ain't me. I ain't no fortunate one. See, the 60s, I said earlier, I don't know how women do this, because the hair gets in your mouth and everything else. So the 60s birthed this counterculture generation, this anti-establishment generation, this hippie generation, as they were uh, to become called. It was all about turning against what they perceived to be the fortunate few, believing it was those very people, the establishment, so to speak, that were oppressing the masses, of which they considered themselves a part. See, there was an expression back then, there were many expressions, you know, make love, not war, drop acid, not bombs, all kinds of stuff. But here was one that was interesting because it represented where these individuals were. I quote, yesterday's just a memory. Tomorrow is never what it's supposed to be. I lived through this time. There was bizarre situations in politics. Horrible, horrible racial issues. Significant censorship. Does that sound at all familiar? See, in politics... The 60s saw the assassination of John F. Kennedy. The 70s saw the President of the United States resign due to the impending and guaranteed impeachment and removal of him for office. From a racial tension standpoint, the five-day Watts riots ended with 34 people being shot and killed. The 66 Detroit riots, 43 deaths from that. And if it wasn't enough following those riots, the spokesman for the black community across this country, Martin Luther King, is assassinated. And rioting of significant nature breaks out in 120 cities across our country, including Washington and Chicago. And as we watch the Capitol being stormed and the horrific pictures that we saw. Did you know that the Weather Underground set a bomb off in the Senate side of the White House? 
in the early 70s. I believe it was 71. But see, you and I can rest assured that even with all those things going on, and by the way, another horrific issue is the Vietnam War is happening at the same time. We would see 58,000 of our American troops killed in that war. See, we can rest assured that just like today and all we're going through, Christians were praying all across this country that God would do something. And God never abandons his fortunate son and daughters. He never, never lets evil thrive over good. See, they knew, the Christians of that day, that we needed a revival in the worst way. They knew that. So what did they do? They prayed. They gathered. They fasted. They believed God that he would do something. I'm going to take these off because they're hard to see through. And I'm going to put these on, which are not from that generation. See, they knew the country needed Oh, there you are. That's very nice. They knew that, and God answered their prayers. What happens is, out of this very group of people, God raises up what we now know as the Jesus People Movement, initials of JPM. See, our country was divided in those days like it had never been before. Politics were horrific. Racial tensions were totally out of control. You would see on the news media burning going on in Los Angeles, in Watts, in all over our country in different places. You'd see, literally, you have Kent State, you see people getting shot. You'd see the Vietnam War with flags being burned. All kinds of issues going on. See, they knew it. They needed a revival. You see, as much as, I can't stop saying, you see, as much as we look back and see what was going on then, we can look today and see what's going on. And I've lived through both of these times. And I will tell you, the 60s and 70s were so much worse. But God had an answer. So here's another picture. See, that is not Woodstock. They look like Woodstock, but they're holding a cross up because these are the Jesus people, and this is a great rally they had. You see people everywhere praying, lifting hands to God, and our next picture will show. You see, and like the sin-ridden culture of Woodstock, the Jesus movement was a God-directed counter-culture movement. In fact, it was a counter-culture movement in opposition to the counter-culture movement. It was awesome. And its influence, the Jesus people movement, has influenced the Christian church for the last 50 years, right up to today. Hard to believe, huh? Well, let me tell you a few things about the JPM. First of all, they were all about supernatural experiences. The spiritual gifts were flowing. Prophecy was flowing. 
tongues, healings, and the eminence of God. In fact, prophetic words become so common back then that that's the way they actually proved who was actually a God-ordained leader. But this is something that's so important for us to understand, that the central theme of the Jesus people movement, because God directed it this way, was evangelism. They had this zeal for evangelism like no one else. See, and at the core of this movement was this abiding sense because they had been so radically changed by receiving Christ in their lives that they believed every person needed this, especially their generation. Thousands of those converts moved into leadership positions. Millions became Christians. And this informality, see, they didn't like churches. They, were, they always met in small groups. But out of that informality, they didn't like hymns. They developed, because they were into music big time, it brought about some of the most amazing music they had ever heard. In addition to that, some of the fastest growing churches of the 19th, 20th century sorry, came out of that movement. You may have heard of some of these. Calvary Chapel, Hope Chapel and the churches they planted, Vineyard, the Vineyard Movement and all their chances. They all traced their roots back to the Jesus movement. Parachurch For the first time, we're seeing those start. Jews for Jesus, Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, and so many more. And got to the contemporary music scene. Now, some of you haven't heard of these people, but they were really big. Second chapter of Acts, Petra, Keith Green, Phil Kage, Andre Crouch, Barry McGuire. You know what I belong to? I was an elder of a church called Faith Christian Center years ago. And I was involved in starting that. And we were big for New Hampshire. We were the largest non-Catholic church in the state of New Hampshire. We would have 900 people on a Sunday morning, 900 to 1,000. And we invited second chapter of Acts, which was at the literal top of the charts. And they agreed to come because they knew we were the largest church in New Hampshire. Well, we seeded about eight or 900. And we had a little over 3,000 people come. So we had the police there, the fire there. They wanted to shut us down. I'm begging these people to leave us alone. You can't move inside the sanctuary. And, and meanwhile, we got traffic backed up on Route 3 from the Merrimack-Bedford line all the way back to what used to be Macy's. It's uh, uh, Trader Joe's and, and Friendly Toast. And then backed up almost the equal distance going the other way. Oh, my gosh. I never was yelled at so much by firemen and policemen in my life. We had 12 people try to come into the property who said they were Pastor Ford, which was the name of our pastor at the time. So uh, it was, can you imagine Christians doing that? So that was great that we had all that great music then, but do you know that that goes on today? Hillsong United, Elevation Worship, two of the biggest worship ministries in the country today, trace their roots, the very song types they sing, to that generation into that time. But, but here was what really made a difference. This was the, in my mind, the key issue that came out of that, that move of God, that revival. And that was that the youth were turned on fire. It turned that culture around. In that day, 
that was needed more than anything you could imagine. See, this amazing revival would literally turn the course of Christianity in our country. So, maybe not quite as spiritual, but a very notable blessing that came out of this is, remember I said they don't like to meet in large churches? So guess where the, where the idea of a coffee house came from? That's what they did. And guess what? Starbucks was born. See, when you have a Starbucks, you can thank the Jesus people movement. They didn't have those things back then. So here's what I want you to see. And this is the thrust of my message today. Yeah, we're in tough times. But I've been in tougher. And I've seen God move. Let's look at the 60s versus the 2020 time we're in. Severe political unrest. We have people being shot. We have, we have issues in our political world. Severe racial unrest. We have riots, deaths like nobody's business there. Severe drug issues, LSD, all the psychedelic drugs, people dying from that. Heroin overdoses. Had a friend two doors down from me in, in college. They rushed the EMT and overdosed on heroin. Immorally rampant. I mean, it was free love everywhere. There was a sexual revolution going on back then that wasn't a good one. Now, we didn't have a pandemic in those years, in the 60s and 70s, but I'll tell you what we did have. We had Vietnam. And if you want to talk about something that split this country right up the middle, it was that. Opinions, protests, you know, it was horrible. So here's a a quote that came to me as I thought about this message. And it was from Winston Churchill. Actually, he quoted a gentleman named uh, George Santayana. He kind of did a little bit of a different wording, but it was basically the same. Winston Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. See, a lesson in God's faithfulness is so clearly seen in the happenings of the 60s and 70s, but we don't have enough Christians that can remember back then. Even if they were alive, they can't remember back then. Sometimes you have to watch some screw. You know, go back and Google this. Go back and Google the riots of the 60s and 70s. They have films on this. You will be appalled at what you'll see. See, what does God's Word teach you and I about what happens when evil comes into our lives and around us? Romans 5 says this, but the law came to increase and expand the awareness of the trespass by defining and unmasking sin. But where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, his unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more. I lived through that scripture. Isaiah says, so so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and the glory from the rising of the sun, which is the east. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I was taught back in those spiritual days that the comma in that scripture was misplaced from the original translation. I've never done really any research on this, but they said, 
that last line, the comma should be after um, the word in. So it should read, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. See, my age group today, if I, were, if I were living back there and were as old as I am, and as old as a number of you in here, you would have looked at that young generation, you would have looked at Woodstock, and you would have said, the country is going to be destroyed because that generation is going to ruin our entire you know, country at large. They said they were sexually immoral. They said they were malcontents, that they were lazy, that they were druggies. And you know what? All that was true. It's exactly who they were. But they were to become the baby boomers. Better work ethics than any generation we'd ever seen. More prosperity they brought to this country than than any generation from an economic standpoint. But guess what? Out of that same generation would come some of the most significant leaders of our times. See, God had his way in the final analysis. And I want to tell you that I believe with all my heart that that same thing is going to happen for us. See, he always, God, always does have the final say because he is and always will be the God of gods and the King of kings. He can set them up and he can take them down. See, we're dealing with very difficult times today, but Philippians 4 and others tell us that we shouldn't dwell on those things. We dwell on all those powerful, good promises that are in the world of God, in the Word of God. Circumstances change all the time. However, we always have eternal life, never changes. We always have the God of the universe as our Father. We always have the love of God. We take that for granted. At least I take it for granted sometimes. I know that. You see, we have to realize that we're fortunate not because of what happens in your life, but because of what did happen in Christ's life. See, his death makes you and me more fortunate than we could ever comprehend with our human minds. But this is the question for Christians today. Are you looking down? Are you seeing all the issues of this life and this world right now? Or are you looking up? Looking and seeing the promises of God. Trusting and believing that he will overcome evil with good. See, the Bible tells us over and over again that we are fortunate. We're fortunate because we're saved, because we have eternal life. So let's look at the Bible, and let's look at some of these scriptures that tell us just how fortunate and blessed we are. We'll take these from the Amplified. Blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state in which we are in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God, for they shall be completely satisfied. Blessed and happy and fortunate to be envied are they who keep his testimonies and who seek and inquire for and from him and crave him 
with the whole heart. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, favored by God is he whose transgression transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is he who considers the weak and the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of evil and trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. He shall be called blessed in the land and you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will sustain, refresh, strengthen him on his bed of languishing. On his bed, you, O Lord, will turn, change, and transform in his illness. What a great scripture for today, huh? The revival of the 60s and 70s made people, excuse me, the situation of the 60s and 70s made people feel very unfortunate. But the revival made them go from that to feeling like they were the most fortunate people on earth. Revivals do, in fact, come. They have over all of mankind. Back in those days, everywhere I turned, I found the Lord moving. It was a definite revival move of his spirit. I mean, I couldn't go anywhere, it seemed, talk to anyone that it didn't lead to a conversation about Christ. We, Percy, I mean, they, they came up in droves, right? They, you know, what do I need to do to be saved? We, we see that in scripture and we think, oh, that was back then. You know, I, I had a, a man who I worked with. I worked uh, for an insurance company. And, and this gentleman was a very senior exec. He was the head of all claims for the entire country, reported to the, to the president, and he and I had a, you know, a business relationship. So I was on the phone with him one day. He's out of the home office. And he starts telling me, which is so usual back then, about issues in his life. <laughs> he just says, hey, you know, I've got this going on. And, you know, just, uh, you know, I may not get back to you tomorrow because uh, gee, I've got to take my kid to a, uh, this or that or the other. And, and I said, hey, Bob, can I tell you something? And I gave him my testimony. He didn't say a word. I got done. He said, oh, that, that's nice, thanks. And he hung up, and I hung up, and I thought, oh, boy, that's a mess. Because now one of the top guys in the insurance company with thinks I'm a fruitcake. Well, a day or two later, guess what? I get a call. Part of my testimony was all about the church we were, had started then that had grown to that larger size. And he said, when's that Bible study? So I said, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, memorial auditorium, 500 of us gathered in there on Tuesday nights, 500 for a Bible study. So he came. I saw him come, and immediately it's like, oh my gosh, they were weird meetings if you ever came back then. They were really weird. People, you know, would get slain in the spirit, they would get healed, they would do all kinds of stuff, prophetic words, and uh, so Bob comes there, straight laced. He wears, a, I think, a shirt and tie the night he comes there. I mean, he's surrounded by, it's like going to Woodstock in a shirt and tie. So afterwards, we go up front, and we would have, you know, dozens and dozens of people coming up for prayer pretty much every Tuesday. And I've got a line in front of me. I was blessed to be able to do that. And I see Bob a few lines over. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. So by the time I get done, he's gone. And I'm thinking, well, at least he came up. I wonder what happened. So he actually called me the next day. I said, hey, Bob, what'd you think? He said, oh, Ed. He said, I'm saved. I said, no kidding. He said, yeah, I like prayed this prayer. And I, I got to tell you, all the way home, I just felt so different. 
I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. But then he says to me, but I got a question. I said, okay. He said, yeah, so I got done this prayer, and I just started, like, babbling. He said, it's like I couldn't control myself. I was just, I don't know what it was. It was just a weird, like a weird kind of coming out of my mouth. And then I got to explain to him what baptism in the Holy Spirit was. And it was just miraculous. Severe times, severe times and difficulty lead to times of amazing revival. And brothers and sisters, we need another revival in our country. And I I know and I believe that's coming. You see, what does that have to do with you and me? We're the church. We're the light set on a hill. Now, can I tell you something about revival, though? I'm going to, you know me, I'm pretty honest when I'm up here, right? I'm pretty transparent. So about five years ago or so, some people started saying we need revival. And you know what I said? Yeah, we need revival. But you know what I said inside? Oh, Lord. I remember what those times were like. I was exhausted. I mean, we were praying over people and people getting saved. You're discipling. You're at meetings every stinking night of the week. Now, it was great, but I was in my 20s then. I had a lot of energy. I'm thinking, Lord, if you send that again, I think I'll be dead. So how about a mini revival, God? But I really felt that way. Oh, boy, has the Lord corrected me lately. You know, I, I think I'm not alone in this. I think there are a lot of Christians that are doing okay. Oh, my goodness, brothers and sisters, we need to pray for revival. You see, why are we fortunate? Well, we're fortunate because the Word says we're blessed to share our blessing. We're fortunate so we can share our good fortune. We're loved so we can love others. We have freely received Now we need to freely give. We have been set free. Now we need to go and set others free by sharing the reality of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, help us that we haven't become comfortable in our Christianity. See, revival is needed. I don't, I don't think I could ever talk to a Christian that would tell me, you know what, I don't really think we need revival. Things are going pretty well. Nobody's going to do that. But I want to tell you, saints, and I'm talking to myself too, we can't just wait for it. See, back in that revival of the 60s and 70s, there were lots of people praying that that would happen. We need to pray. You need to pray daily at some point in your day that God bring revival. You know, some, maybe you can fast for it. And you know what else we can do? We can share the love of Jesus Christ because something happened in a single meeting for the Jesus People Movement. It was a single small gathering. The Holy Spirit fell on that group and it just took off like wildfire. Maybe that's you. Maybe something you share will go on. You see, God, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. God has one singular purpose in, in, in this earth. And I know this is going to sound bad, but it's not to bless you. Okay, God loves blessing you, by the way. But that's not his focus. His focus always has been and always will be until it's all done to expand his kingdom, to get as many human beings as possible 
to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to believe and know that Jesus is their Lord, he's their Savior, he's their brother, and he's their friend. And that God, El Shaddai, is really, in this new relationship through Christ, our dad. And that's how he wants us to relate to him. You know, as I thought about this message, this is a message of hope for us. We need to see this as a message of hope. God will move. He will. He always has. He always does. And I looked at that song, Fortunate Son by Credence, and it so expressed the sense of discouragement, depression, beat down that they were back then. So I rewrote it. And 25 or 30 years ago, before I had a tear in my voice box that I never, I decided not to get repaired because they said there's an outside chance you can't speak again. Can you imagine Ed Hires without being able to talk? Bury me right there. So I can't really sing it. I tried it at home. Barb said, you better just read it. So she knows. So if you can remember that song in the beat, all folks are born to receive the love of Christ. All are loved through and through. And when the band plays Come As You Are, he is calling me and you, O oh Lord. It's me. It's me. I am God's very son. It's me. It's me. I am a fortunate one. Shilohites, will you join me in not only believing God for revival, will you get in your heart and spirit that we so desperately need this? If you're not one of the ones that does, please look around. There are so many hurting right now. So many hurting. You know, everybody's got a position on this. You know, I hear it all the time. And I'm okay with that. I do my best to, to not try to offend anyone. But, but can you join with me in believing God for revival more than anything else? I, you may have an opinion on all kinds of stuff. You may know you have the truth. You may not sure, be sure if there is any truth. But can we stop focusing, worrying, talking about all that's going on? Can we know that history teaches us that God will overcome evil with good? His timing, his way. It's not going to look like the 60s and 70s. If so, you know, I'm going to have this, but it's going to be gray. Right, gray. I actually bought a gray wig with ponytails. It looked really weird. So, see, we don't know what it'll look like. But I believe that it's coming And we need to pray and stand together as brothers and sisters. We have hope. We have hope in the calling of Jesus Christ. I refuse. I know the media is this. I know the president is that. I know all that. And I understand that. And, And it's not like I'm trying to ignore that. I'm not. I recognize there's a lot of issues. The racial issues. I'm not I'm not making light of that at all. But my hope is in my God. No politician, no movement, nothing is going to change anything like a revival from the hands of God. And we need to pray for that. We need to believe for that. So, Father, I come to you today. Lord, if I had, if I dressed like this now, 
Lord, I would be looked at and said, ooh, what's wrong with him? It's an outward thing, Lord. What really matters is what's in my heart. We have a lot of outward things. But Lord, what's in the heart of you, God? And what's in the heart of you is to expand your kingdom, to overcome evil with good. Lord, when we pray for revival, what in the world, how could we ever think a prayer could be more at the absolute core of your being? Lord, what we're praying for is, Lord, come, Jesus, and become real in the lives of people so that they are saved, go into heaven, and stop all the evil. You know, I don't know whether, whether Biden's saved or this one's saved, and people tell me that this or that, the other. I don't know. But I know he could be saved. God can do that. God can save anybody. And I can say amen to that. So, Father, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and help us to believe for you, to pray for you, to bring your revival. I agree with my brothers and sisters on this. And I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful peace to settle on us as we wait patiently and faithfully for the bridegroom to come. Let our lamps be full of our prayers and our faith, we ask. We ask this, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our brother, our friend. We ask in your name to you, Dad, who loves us more than we could ever understand. Come, come, Lord Jesus, in a revival that will sweep this country and this world. I pray this in Jesus, your precious holy name. And the saints said, amen. Well, look, have an out of sight day, all right? And whether you're for Brady or not for Brady, it's going to be a game, everybody. Come on. All right, go forth. Share the love of Christ.